The topic of authenticity has been showing up across several of my coaching clients lately. And if I define it the way that they are talking about it, I'd say that they have this real yearning to lead in a way that is truly reflective of their purpose, their values, and what they feel is their innate capability. Yet something is stopping them. Something is in the way of bringing their full selves forward. This is causing a type of internal tug of war between their yearning, what they want, and the thing, whatever that is, that's holding them back. I feel like we can all relate to this at some level. I know that I certainly can. We also know, we feel that there are costs to us and our entire ecosystem when we don't fully show up in our full glory with our ideas and our capabilities. This is the topic for today's episode, authenticity or authentic leadership. And I'll also share five practices that I know help create the ground for more authentic leadership. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm Leanne Mallory, your podcast host and the founder of Rise Leaders, a leadership coaching and strategy firm. I created this podcast over two years ago now as a way to share the approaches, the tools and practices that my clients find valuable. Sometimes I offer this through interviewing the exemplary leaders that I've actually worked with. Other times I'm interviewing authors and experts on important topics. And then other times like today, I share what's actually showing up with my clients and how I'm supporting them with practices. Be sure to check out the show notes for resources. And if you want to connect with me, the best way is through my website at rise-leaders.com. My conversations with clients stick with me. They're always running in the background. And over time, I'll see trends and patterns. Authenticity is a topic that is underlying my recent conversations. And actually, as I reflect on this, I think this is always the case, this question of authenticity. We all want to live and lead in a way that exemplifies what we deem most important. Two quotes also jumped out at me as I've been reflecting on this. The first is actually a passage from the book, An Everyone Culture, Becoming a Deliberately Developmental Organization by Harvard professors Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy. Here's what they say. In an ordinary organization, most people are doing a second job no one is paying them for. Spending time and energy covering up their weaknesses, managing other people's impressions of them, showing themselves to their best advantage, playing politics, hiding their inadequacies, hiding their uncertainties, hiding their limitations. We regard this as the single biggest loss of resources that organizations suffer every day. So what they're saying is that most of us are spending our own precious energy and time managing how we show up, thinking that this will make us more successful in whatever ways that we define that. 
Just imagine, though, if we could all show up in more, if not all places in life, fully ourselves, that we could fully open ourselves to learning, making mistakes, taking feedback, taking risks, and being fully seen for our humanity and our potential without the fear of embarrassment or retribution. Almost every client I work with struggles with this. And I find myself in the same boat in various situations. I think they've become fewer over time, but self-consciousness is definitely still here for me. Keegan and Leahy were writing from a business and a business culture perspective. The second quote has deep, deep roots, and I hope you'll take some time to reflect what it means to you. It's actually from the Gospel of Thomas. Jesus said, If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. I want to say that again. Let this soak in. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. For me, this quote speaks to the power of living according to our unique purpose, our passions and values, and what we think is possible. It keeps us fully and magnificently alive. It also points out the impact of not bringing forth our uniqueness. We will know the missed opportunity in our bones, and we may be destroyed through this dis-ease. I believe that when we're not authentic, when we're not true to ourselves, we suffer according to both quotes, both energetically and spiritually. Managing our external image keeps us ungrounded and it keeps us off center as we're trying to guess the who, the what, and the how that others want us to be. This dynamic, by the way, is also called being socially defined, which was a phrase coined by Bob Keegan from Harvard that I mentioned before. In this situation, we let ourselves be defined by others' expectations and standards. Now, there's a flip side of being socially defined, and that's being self-authoring, which, by the way, is my word of the year. We could put the phrase self-authoring right next to the phrase or term authentic leadership, which means that we behave according to our own values and purpose, regardless of what other people's expectations are of us. It takes work. It takes a lot of internal work to move beyond our assumptions of what we think is acceptable and expected, and to lead from our own commitments and convictions. So I want to share with you um, a few recent examples from my clients who want more authenticity in their leadership. And I want to start by saying here the fact that they already see this as missing in their leadership that this shows great self-awareness. So here are three recent examples. So I had a new client this past week tell me that they did not know if they wanted to progress any further in their organization 
because they felt less and less authentic with each promotion. They do not feel that who they truly are, what they really think and what they have to contribute will be appreciated and accepted by the organization. Another client feels embarrassed about their ambitions and desires, so they rein in their excitement and their input. For some reason, for them, historically, it was not okay to want a big future for themselves. And you can just imagine the internal struggle that this creates, where we can see this future, the future that we long for and that we want to um, create and make an impact in, but that our internal narrative is telling us that wanting this for ourselves is bad. This, by the way, this, this particular dynamic I find more common in women than in men, and research plays this out, but it's not always the case. It's not always women that have this particular situation. And there's a third leader who happens to be recovering from a traumatic phase in their life, which has left them twisted and confused in terms of their own self-worth and self-confidence. They know their capabilities and how they want to lead, and they've actually experienced this in themselves in the past, but the trauma has caused them to forget. This particular client is working with a trauma psychotherapist to address the trauma and with me to develop healthy embodied behaviors at work. In each of these cases, the individuals are expending a lot of energy managing themselves, in which case they have less energy to innovate, improve, and positively impact the people in their community, the people that they work with, that they lead with. The biggest impact, though, is the hit that their life fulfillment and satisfaction takes. Remembering the quotes at the beginning, you can see that both are reflected in these examples, both the business and the business culture and the internal, the spiritual, the life satisfaction. A major part of every coaching program involves engaging in practices that provide new ground and new approaches, whatever issue is being presented. Practice is key for any personal transformation with or without a coach. You can compare this to anything you want to get good at. It takes practice. So I'm actually going to highlight five practices that I've asked these clients to engage in, but not all clients are getting all the practices and certainly not all at once. It's really customized to their individual issues. So here are some practices. The first one is to regularly, even daily, connect with your purpose and values. You can answer the questions, who do I want to be and what impact do I want to make? If you already have articulated a formal purpose and values, then connect with these. These provide solid ground from which to act. This is your come from. Also regularly, connect with your strengths. You can use a tool like StrengthsFinder and also register the value that you provide to your organization or community through a tool like a values register or a value register, and I'll provide a link to that in the show notes. This reminds you of what you already are doing and what you're already good at. 
The third one is an observation, a self-observation. So remind yourself to pay attention and observe your assumptions and your internal narrative. What I mean by this is to pay attention to your reasoning and the stories that you tell yourself about what will happen if you, for example, speak up, that people will be disappointed or disapproving. Also, what will happen if you're not right or your project or team fails? Keep a journal of these assumptions when you come across them and test them. One thing that you can do is just notice when you're feeling frustrated or held back and then kind of walk yourself down and ask yourself, what am I assuming will happen in this situation? You write those down and then test them. You can inquire with yourself if your assumption is really true. You can ask yourself, is this assumption true? Do I know it's absolutely true? And then you can flip that and say, and what else might be true? And then finally, you can create an opposite narrative of your assumption, such as, if I push back, my boss will be glad we didn't move forward on this money-losing venture. Or if I push back, my peers will see me as thoughtful and caring about our collective success rather than the assumptions that you were probably making on the contrary. The fourth practice is to engage in an ongoing mindfulness practice that will help settle your nervous system. This is a practice that I give all of my clients no matter what, because we all need practice settling our nervous system, getting our nervous system out of the fight or flight mode so that we can think clearly and calmly and think in broader horizons. The more that we practice being centered and calm, the easier it will be to bring the state of mind on when the stakes are high. So get your cycles in when you don't need them so that the capability is there when you do need them. And then the final practice is taking on the practice of noticing your physical sensations and responses to life showing up in all kinds of ways, which we also refer to as being triggered. So in other words, notice your physical sensations or your physical responses when you're triggered. For example, you might clench your jaw when your anger is triggered. Or hold your breath when you observe conflict or when you're in conflict. You may notice your shoulders raising when you're feeling anxious. We all have our favorite ways of um, responding to triggers. Pay attention to that. Now, a good way, you know, kind of a next step here is to hone our observation skills through a guided body scan. And there are several of these available on many apps like Insight Meditation or on YouTube. And what this does is it really um, hones our ability to notice different areas of our body and what it feels like when these areas are contracted and when they're loose. So at some point, you might be able to notice, oh, my jaw is clenched. What triggered me? So you can kind of work backwards from the physical sensation when you learn to pay attention to that. I do feel it's important to integrate practices that engage all of the different aspects of our lives, spiritual, emotional, 
intellectual and physical, all of the different realms. Feeling and living into our own authenticity is empowering and it brings us alive. I want to close with a final quote by author, philosopher, and theologian Howard Thurman. He said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. For me, this is a beautiful articulation for being um, self-authoring. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this has been helpful for you. Check out the show notes for links to the various resources I've mentioned. And I always appreciate your likes and shares on whatever platform you're listening today. And if you want to make comments or engage in conversation, Rise Leaders Radio is now also on YouTube on the Rise Leaders channel, which is also a great way, probably the best place to engage in a conversation if you're interested. Thank you again. And remember to elevate your part of the world.